Welcome back to the King Ugly Crew, and thanks for listening to the second half of Tara Westover's Educated. And without further ado, part two. Part dos. Part du. Part okay. du. Uh, by part two of Educated, Westover has decided she wants to get an education, has found a way to take the ACT, and has left the mountain to go to college at Brigham Young University. See, I told you. Despite her father's objections. In wait, her wait, first, what? I said, what do you mean you told me? Remember I said spoiler? She goes to college. Oh, got you. Uh-huh. Sorry. Um, <laughs> despite her father's objections, in her first class at college, Westover recounts not knowing what the word Holocaust means. Why is this moment significant? Man, that, that, as soon as she said that, the word blew my mind. Word, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, okay. college. So, so not that it, I'm not trying to justify it. But it didn't, I mean, knowing what the Holocaust was and that information didn't do her any good on the farm and in the junkyard. So why would you teach it? Like now, knowing it and understanding that kind of stuff is is, is something that I think everybody should know. But in her situation and where she was at, it wasn't necessary. And there's it a wasn't... lot of things like that. A lot of things from that you would get from formal schooling that wouldn't be necessary it's not it's not something that that needs to be taught now and i just i I disagree i'll let you finish sorry i'm i'm i don't think it's needed to be taught to learn to do something on the farm now should it be taught and should it be passed along yes because without correct and truthful history history is going to repeat itself because people didn't know that it necessarily happened. If you can learn from your pa- the past and the mistakes in the past, it will only make us better. But for that purpose and for the, the use of the farm and the, and the junkyard and that kind of stuff, not necessary. And I feel like, I feel like how could her father have taught her about the Holocaust without also making her realize her own situation and the parallels in her own situation? That was kind of my thought too, Skyla. Like, but I this is Lonin another, that, con- yeah. You know, I like, again, I'm seeing both sides where Lonin's like, you know, like she really didn't need the information to work on the farm or even and to if, be a midwife. But if that's all her father wanted for her, which obviously it was, yeah. he didn't want anything more for her. He wanted to keep her under his umbrella, under her control with no other skills. And there's no way, and, and her not knowing what the word Holocaust means has it, it, two significances, at least for me. Uh, a, her father couldn't teach her about the Holocaust without also showing her that people get oppressed and, oh, hey, you also are. And two, it shows this huge giant gap in cultural knowledge, in knowledge that is not inherently immediately useful that she was lacking. That maybe not is immediately useful, but is enriching. And she lost out on a lot of enriching knowledge. And that's part of what makes me so mad at her father is, or in her both of her parents, her father and her mother, is that, that they denied her the chance to enrich her life culturally and understanding other humans. But you, you don't know that she would have figured, uh, considered herself oppressed. You don't know that. No, I don't. You're right. I don't. And so that that's an assumption that uh, the second part I get, the first part I don't agree with, but that's where I'm at. I just, I, I feel like that the Holocaust and other things like it, like she learned about slavery, but only in a very abstract 
kind of way. Um, he also thought the Jews were the ones that caused World War II. I mean, so like the guy's delusional, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, but again, we don't. It's it's hard to say. You know, I haven't went up there and I haven't talked to the guy, so I don't know what his delusions of grandeur are. Uh, I just but based off her book. Based off her book, the guy was crazy. And it's it's just the control that he had over like. What books do they have in their house, I wonder? And where could she... Like, because she was taught her whole life to be scared of people. They're survivalists. They're they're ready for people to overrun them when the end of the world comes. And she missed out on all of the, the connections that you can have with people and people who aren't like you and people who have had different experiences from you gaining that kind of knowledge. And it just is so frustrating. Right. But she also didn't she she wasn't wanting to learn some of that stuff. Look at Tyler. He was bound downstairs reading a, an encyclopedia as often as he could be. Right. Was so you. Oh, no, that was Tyler. No, Richard was the one who was reading. Was he? Um, yeah, it was Tyler. Tyler just, no, Tyler was always interested in school, but Richard was the one that was reading the encyclopedia. Okay, but what I'm getting at is that, do you not think that he ended up going to school already knowing about the Holocaust if he was reading the encyclopedia? He had formalized schooling. Yep. Richard had like one or two years. No, Tyler he, did. So Richard, how Richard, Richard had a bunch. I thought Richard was the one closest to her. Tyler is. Hmm. All right. I'm I thought Tyler was older. Yeah, I thought Tyler Tyler's was like older. One older than just, like I thought it was Tyler's Tyler, the, Richard, Tara. No, I thought it was Richard. No, I thought it was, Richard was higher up, and then Tyler, and then Tara. I thought I don't know, but it doesn't matter. But but, but why would? But see, what I don't understand is why would Tyler go to school before Richard even started thinking about it? I think it Richard have, was the youngest, wasn't he? No, well, Tara is. Yeah, Tara's the youngest, so that's why I thought that Richard was the second youngest. Uh, uh, it may have been a progression. Like, there are things that I never would have thought about, but Sari did. Does that make sense? Like, it, it may have been just a progression throughout the children, that, that each child got a little closer to it and a little closer to it and a little closer to it, and then Tara was finally one to do it. Or Tyler was the one to do it, and then Tara went too. Yeah, I mean, you could be right, I, but I think it was the other way around. Either way. Okay. It doesn't um, necessarily matter in the in the grand scheme of this conversation, though. No. But, well, it kind of does. But that's what I always mean is that basically, you know, it, she didn't have a thirst for that type of knowledge either. She could have went down and read the encyclopedias, but she didn't. True. And she yeah. didn't want to. That's true. But, but Richard did. So you cannot put all of that on the parents. Now, could they have, you know, been like, hey, there's a lot of good information in these encyclopedias. You guys should learn it. But. But on that same note, you could put some of that on the grandparents as, as well. Oh, yeah. So, and, and both sides, the moms and the dads, because the moms were, the mom's parents were kind of estranged, but they did go over there every now and then. You know, they, they could have taught them stuff. Now, that, that being said, you know, being a grandma, you probably just want to hang out with your grandkids because you didn't get much time with them. So, yeah. Yep. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Sherry's on point, though. We have, like, another 10 questions, so let's go. Yeah. Uh, case? Case. Fine. Case. Over the course of this book, the Westover family deals with a number of accidents. Ooh, I love this, op- this topic. 
Uh, Westover's brother, so Tara's brother, Tyler, falling asleep and driving off the road. Westover, uh, Tara's brother, Luke, catching on fire. And later, a serious accident with their father, getting caught on fire as well. Early on, uh, Tara writes about all the decisions that go into making a life, the choices people make together and on their own that combine to produce any single event. What do you think she meant by this? And how does this apply to your own life? Dang. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. We'll answer in case. Um, well, I think she meant by the statement, uh, all the decisions, obviously all people's choices come together, even the ones and your own can change a single event, no matter what. I mean, me drowning is a perfect example of that because Baron and Griff decided to fight downstairs. I was left alone upstairs for mom when mom left it there. I'm not saying it's mom's fault by any means. It's just a sucky situation that we were put in that in that exact situation. It was just a crazy set of circumstances. Well, and it goes farther back than that because uh, Tosh and I were at the mall because I had been babysitting for a week because mom had been gone for a week. And so she was giving me a little time off. And so yeah. we weren't there mom because of that too. Mom and dad too. and dad and the older boys were all gone in Florida. It, it's just a crazy set of circumstances that led me to be through that and to go through that. It just, it was meant to happen. Period. It wasn't meant to happen, but it, it certainly made a impact on your life and all of our lives. I mean, let's be honest. So, except yeah. for series. Well, and maybe even series to a point. Yeah, because mine too. I was one. born a year later. Hello. On the exactly. Day. On the day. Literally was born a year later. So but that that's what y'all I'm could so remember a happy day and not a sad day where Case almost died. <laughs> but Thanks, honestly, Larry. I never would have remembered that date if you weren't born on it. I didn't even realize that was the date. Well, you probably that. wouldn't have, but mom would have. Forever. Yeah, mom would And have, now that's for sure. mom gets to think about June 23rd as a happy day instead of the day that Case almost died. Yeah. Yeah. I did die. Thank you. I, I, I do want to, I want to talk real quick about the dad and the, the driving. Like, I, I find it hard to, like, maybe me, you know, the pot calling the kettle black because I do drive late at night all the time. Every time. Yep. But at the same time, at same point, I know where my limits are, and I know when I'm gonna, you know, when I'm done. Like, <laughs> I mean, and, and uh, for instance, when when we got married, me and Nish, we were on our way up to up to Idaho, and we stopped in Wells, just stopped at a stop sign, and I literally got blown off the road. I was like, "Nope, I'm done. We're finding a hotel." <laughs> where you know that dad. <laughs> Sorry, let's go what? No, I was gonna say Tyler doesn't have didn't know that limit yet. Well, seventeen year old, right? And, absolutely didn't. Dad and, and, should have been awake. Uh, exactly. Okay, that's that's my biggest thing is that even if I were to have one of my kids driving, I would be awake with them to make sure that you know and and, and can constantly let them know, hey, if you're tired, we need to pull over. I'll drive. Hey, if you're tired, you know, I, I don't it's want you okay. to try and muscle no through. Yeah, there's yeah. not a problem with you not being able to handle this. I can finish it off. And, and then just the second reaction. accident where, right. you know, the second accident where, you know, he gets in and he's like, well, I'm not driving any faster than our, our angels can fly. It's like, oh, you are just a piece of work. And yeah. and just like those two things. And then and then Sean constantly, you know, abusing her. Holy crap, man. That's one of the reasons I don't like this book is because it, it, it physically made me angry multiple times in this book because yeah. it's like yeah. you literally didn't really you didn't you didn't learn the first time and and and, and you get in a massive accident and you didn't learn the second time and you got in a massive accident and it's like 
But I find it we don't hear about the times when it didn't end in a massive accident. We don't. Of course not. I mean, like, th- there's no drama in that. So and, uh, and so I feel like we also don't know how many times they did or did not go down there. Right. And so I, I like we don't see the times that that it was fine. And, and he can say, look, I've done it this many times and it's fine. And we all know people who are like this and who maybe have not suffered these giant consequences. I, I haven't. Yet. But I've I've seen and maybe that's it. Maybe I you know, because I've seen, you know, shoot when Shane and Aaron and all them came up to our house in Shoshone. I don't think you were there, Skyla. Uh-uh. And, and that, you know, I get woken up at like 5 a.m. Hey, we got to go pick him up. Uh, Shane fell asleep at the, car, at the wheel and just cars destroyed. We got to go, you know, go save them all. Uh, well, and so maybe I've seen that type of destruction enough where it's like I know where my limits at and I'm like, I'm not going past that. I'm done. And I'm so where, it. yeah, where other people are like, oh, it's, it's just another 45 minutes. I can I can last another 45 minutes. Nope. You, you learn that point by driving a lot because I, I know my, my limit as well. Because and of that. we Jensen's drive a lot more than the average person, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah, you're weird. Weirdo. <laughs> I also live in Alaska. We fly everywhere. Yes, but, you well, kind of have that, to. And you've also got like, we don't know what kind of, I mean, cause they did all the scrapping and that kind of stuff, but it sounded like they did some farming as well. And, and so you don't know how late, you know, Tyler had been out on a tractor at some point running a tractor yep. until one, seven AM, you know, who knows? So like the dad may have been like, Oh yeah, he's, he's perfectly good. Now I still wouldn't feel comfortable. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It would be really do, hard. Do you feel like the dad egged? the boys on like come on be tough be a man what's wrong oh, yeah. with you why can't you do oh, this yeah. i think so at least from the perspective that tara gives us i think that he definitely was like that like you're not a man if you can't do this or you know what's wrong, what's wrong with you oh you can do it to tara though so like, during the shearing part that that where you get that stupid shear oh yeah. my gosh absolutely that was so horrifying so irritating like, oh. and, and there's, Wait, there's so, so many of those parts. I missed it. Sorry. Uh, the shear. They're shearing big yeah, pieces gotcha. of metal. Yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I think we got yeah, off track cool. on that one. Okay. So how does it apply? How does the insight that, that many people go into, the, the choices people make combine to make a single event, how does that apply to your life? Uh, obviously. I mean, like, <laughs> for me, it's just like, um... Duh, my 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 decisions make you know make make my life the way that they are, but it also makes my family's life the way it is because I am making decisions for them as well. Do you think our perspective is different because of how large our family is on this particular? It probably doesn't hurt. It probably doesn't hurt. But because we've all seen our effects, the effects our actions have on lots of other people because you know being in a house with that many people i i mean i know that that when i would throw a temper tantrum it would send some of the boys into absolute fits of glee and it would make everybody else annoyed so you know seeing the immediate effect of your actions maybe makes it a little easier to to discern to well and to to come to terms with the concept of it being a little more abstract and and farther out than immediate so so a question on that is i mean if you if you see that and you've seen it and you know it then do do you consciously sometimes make that that choice to get angry to to make i don't know i i don't know i'm not, not saying anymore. you do and i'm not saying you did then i'm just saying you probably know, did then sometimes subconsciously did you you know do it just to 
you know, let Dane or whoever have that moment of glee. glee. You know, I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, again, we're off topic. Sarah, you're you're slacking. What? You're busy. You've got kids to take care of. No, I think they're in bed. Bryce, put them down. Oh, awesome. Um, Okay, so are we ready to move on to number nine then? Yep. 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 Okay. Throughout the book, uh, Tara refers back to journals she kept while growing up. Sometimes she recorded events as they really felt. But many times she says she presented events as less traumatic than they really were or used vague shadowy language to obscure obscure how she'd been hurt. How do these journals inform the book? I don't know that we can know that, like, because we don't see the the journals. We don't know where they're the same and where they're different. And we don't know which events were, you know, vague, shadowy language and which ones weren't. Except for that she does talk about that in a couple of spots where she's like, but, but again, that a lot of that is, is looking back on it, you know, like we talked about with the Virginia Woolf quote, you know, looking back on things, she can see extra things that she wasn't able to see in the first place. So I agree with Skyla. No, that's what I was about to ask Skyla. I do. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not super, I don't do it like really consistently, but I do keep a journal case. Uh, I did in high school. I don't anymore, which I found my old high school one. And I'm like, man, life was trivial back then compared to what it is now. Oh yeah. It's so funny. It's like, man, I was worried about so little things. And now I'm like, I but it was the, the whole and, world then. Yeah, I know. It was like, oh, I got a crush on this 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 girl, and uh, she doesn't even know who I am, or or oh, I I did something in school today. It was just silly stuff, and I'm like, man, oh, to go back. So, <laughs> this this is actually why one of the reasons that I started the podcast is because I don't like writing, whether typing or physically in a book. And so I figured I could do some journaling-ish in, in, in the form of this. I like, yeah, I like this. The Marco Polos do a good job of that, too. It's a good, like, journal keepling kind of thing. I like, I, Except for I like that, too. I don't know. Like, for me, that's kind of like what posting on Instagram is, is, like, my journal keeping of, like, what we're doing day to day, you know? Yep. I, I find that, that I remember things a lot better when I posted about them because then they pop up. Yeah, for sure. But do you guys, have you ever done this? Like when you're writing something down about what happened, do you write it down as like less than it was? No, I feel like I was more in detail than anything. You know, on my other ones at least. I feel like if I had ever kept a journal, I'd have probably done more, more into that. Um, And so, yeah, for me, I feel like it would have been a a much more detailed entry than, than being vague and shadowy specifically for that. I grew up always hearing about the the journals of the the pioneers and our ancestors. And can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay. Just, I just got disconnected a second ago, so I was just making sure. Um, And so I always, every time I write a journal, anytime I post something, anytime um, anything is going to be recorded, unless it's letters, uh, I always have that in the back of my head of somebody in the future is going to read this. And am I embarrassing myself? Am I making myself look bad? So everything I write is almost always filtered. Interesting. Interesting. I would like to be more honest, but uh, just the idea of my great-grandchildren going, what was wrong with her? She was dumb. 
See, and I feel like I have the opposite perspective, like where like I'm writing things down and like I might be going through things in my life where like I feel very deeply about them and they're very, even if they're personal things, if I can be specific about them, you know, I kind of look at it as like, okay, well, if someone were to read this in the future, would it be of help to them? And maybe it would be. And maybe they would be like, well, that was a lot of detail, but it was actually kind of helpful. You're so brave. See, I feel like I just, yeah, I kind of feel the same way with Sari. It's like, I don't care. Like, do I want to sound like an idiot? No, but I would probably... I feel like I would write it down as it was, as it happened. Not so much for the future, but not caring who read it in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. I may have been a little scarred, too, because um, my journal has been stolen and read out loud to me before. And that Ooh. was no, it was no fun. Yeah, that's rough. I I have to say, though, that I have had experiences in my life where I have, like, remembered them as like not as in detail as they actually happened and I had to like work hard to like actually recover the detail of those events so like I kind of understand where she's like coming from and how like in these traumatic events for her where she you know is writing them down as like vague or shadowy you know um I get that because like really she probably doesn't want to live that again like think about like when she got beat by Sean like she already had to live it in real life like would she really want to go back and relive that as she's writing it down like I wouldn't I would be like Sean beat me up yeah no yeah that wouldn't be any fun but we don't know that that that's not what she did I mean she may have done that in the journal and then just remembered what he did right so yeah but I'm just saying like I can understand like if she did write things down vaguely like I get why that would be because like the reasoning for it. I get it. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. Skyla. All right. By chapter 22, Tara writes that her life was often narrated for me by others. Their voices were forceful, emphatic, absolute. I had never, it had never occurred to me that my voice might be as strong as theirs. What is the significance of this realization? And do you identify with this at all? I don't identify with it. I will say that. I, I do understand, I mean, like, the significance for it, for her to realize that she's she has as much a saying over her life as other people, uh, the other people in her life that were so forceful and emph- emphatic and absolute about it, things. It, it, it's something that she needed to figure out, especially, I mean, and, and the sad thing is it took so long for her to realize that, you know, that she had that same amount of power. I, I think that was by design. I would agree. I, I, I do agree that, that, that her father and brother, you know, they wanted her to think a specific way. And so it was way easier for them to force their ideas on her and instead of letting her come to her own opinions of them. Um, and, and so after a while, it started, you know, it started making more sense to her, if you will, I guess. Yeah, that she could have her own voice, her own opinions, even if they're different than theirs. But, sorry, go ahead. Finish. Oh, I did. Oh, I was just going to say, but she really didn't. I mean, like that, that realization didn't come to fruition until the end of the book. Agreed. It It is hard. Like, that's hard. It, it certainly is. You know, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I don't. Sorry, I'm jumping in. No, you're good. 
I don't absolutely like identify with it, but I kind of get it. And I like, I'm great for the way that it was done in my life. But like, I feel like as soon as I started gymnastics, it was like, you know, like the goal is college, the goal is college, the goal is college, the goal is college. And I like, it kind of just got put in my head that the goal was college. And like, eventually I came to that like realization for myself too, that that's what I wanted. But like without mom and taught, like really putting that in my head, I don't know that that would have been there. And so like, I also had to come to like, that choice for myself like I had to make that choice but like I think it was kind of like this is what we're doing <laughs> you know you were the last shot Sarah yeah and I don't think they really saw it as that I think they would have been okay had anything happened but I know that they both really wanted me to get there because they know what kind of experience that would give me which was a phenomenal experience and I'm so grateful for like that they did plant all of that in my head and like encourage me and like push me along that way but like it would have been just as easy to be pushed in any other direction you know um and especially like I had dad telling me like as a junior and senior in high school like well you should quit you should quit you should quit you should quit and so like you know like I had that perspective but then I had like mom and Todd that were like no college 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 <laughs> you know, like and so I was like trying to be kind of like swayed either direction. And I, I did have to like come to a realization for myself of like what I actually wanted to do. That makes sense. Case. <laughs> Sorry. Um, this question actually hit me a lot harder than I was anticipating it. And so I just was listening to you guys' thoughts on it first. Okay. What are yours? I didn't realize what I wanted to do with my life until last week. Because I've been living off other people's opinions and other people's voices. And uh, so that question really hits home right now. That, you know what, at some point you got to realize that you are in charge of your own life. Uh, yes, you can take other people's opinions and other people's suggestions. But until you find out what actually makes you happy, it don't matter. And once you find that, what you want to do, that's where you have to run. And you hold firm to that. No matter about the naysayers or whatever it is, you hold tight to it. Because that's where you're supposed to be at. So do we get to know what you want to do with your life? Yeah. Stay tuned. <gasps> so what? here's another thing, what? actually. Leave us hanging. The next, the next um, uh, question actually makes a, like it actually falls in with that case, like in a big way. Not that I'm trying to move us along. No, let's move it. Let's do it. One <laughs> and read. At Brigham Young, Terry counts going to professor for moral advice. And instead, being encouraged to apply for a very competitive study abroad program at Cambridge University, which she never imagined she could qualify to do. He seemed to say, find out what you are capable of, then decide who you are. She writes, has anyone ever given you advice to do something beyond what you thought you were capable of? And did you follow it? So then real quick question to you, Case, is did somebody that was there that type of a person for you or is it just a realization on your own? Uh, definitely came from a higher being. I'll say that. The, uh, it came from my my questioning thoughts to my father in heaven, and he put this in my lap, and uh, that's exactly right. And I just keep giving the, the confirmation this is where I've got ahead. And so exactly what he says, uh, go find out what you're capable of and then decide who you are. And that took me until I was 30 years old to figure out what I wanted to do. And that's okay, I'm realizing. It's scary, but that's okay. Yep. Bryce can relate to you. Took him till 20 eight, 26, 27. I don't know. Somewhere in there. Sorry. He's sitting in the room with me. Um, 
I definitely feel like this has happened again with like the college thing of like find out what you're capable of like I I don't like I thought that maybe I would be capable of doing college gymnastics but like the closer I got to it I didn't really think I was and then like once I was given the opportunity like I really would have never figured out who I am if I wouldn't have moved 3,000 miles away from all of you and to be specific away from Todd (laughs) like I love Todd obviously like she's my best friend but you know, like, I think you all know, like, all I ever wanted to do was be her, like, and Bryce can even tell you, like, when we first started dating, he would ask me, he'd be like, well, what do you want to do? And I'd be like, well, I want to be like my sister. <laughs> like, that's all it was. Like, I just wanted to be like taught. And so, you know, moving 3000 miles away and like living my own life here is how I figured out who I am. That's, that's awesome. Like, sometimes moving away is what causes that. And it definitely helped me when I moved to Salt Lake last year or two years ago. So I think it does help. I think everybody should move 3,000 miles away from their family at some point in their life. I only went 400, but it worked. It worked. (laughs) I mean, I think it's just that distance of like not a constant influence and the same constant influence that you've had your whole life where like, you know, where it's not bad, but like you do kind of need to like just make your own choices. And it's really hard to do that when everyone that you value and you care about and you love is pressuring you to do something else. Which, and is not usually a bad thing, but it's not what you want. No, exactly. It's not a bad thing. Like, the people that love you generally are not going to encourage you to do awful things, but, like, you have to find your own person. Okay, does anyone else want to add anything? I do. I have have a quick story. Um, My, for the advice and, you know, to do something beyond what you thought you were capable of. This has happened to me lots and lots of times in my life. I've done lots of different things, but the one that pops into my head is... um, I went into my uh, work class before I was an instructor and my instructor um, was like, what happened to your nose? I had a big scratch on my nose and I'm like, well, I was practicing this song and I hit myself in the face. And she's like, what? I said, yeah, I was practicing this song at home and I hit myself in the face and made my nose bleed. And she's like, you were practicing at home? And I'm like, yeah, like big deal. I was practicing at home. She's like, you need to teach this. And I'm like, no. And she's like, yeah, you need to teach it. And so I went home and I thought about it. And it was like, things kind of just fell into place. Like it was like, oh my gosh, yes, I do. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life, learning to teach work and learning how to lead a group of people and, and being in front of people and not being scared to dance in front of them and, and helping people feel better about themselves. And, and, and I would not, I don't know that I would have thought of it on my own. Like I love to do it, but I don't know that I would have thought of that on my own. Sometimes we need somebody to say out loud the thing that we need to hear. As much as it hurts sometimes. I mean, obviously in that situation, it didn't hurt, but we've all been in that situation where like, wow, that advice really sucked. Oh, wait, never mind. It's exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know that I have anything like that. There's been times where I've worked someplace and it's made me realize what I can do, but I don't know that I've ever had somebody sit me down and just, you know, like you... Like with what Skylar had with work or, or even like what what she had. Now, I think there's been many times for me that I've I've been able to figure it out, but it's been based off of what I was already doing. Do you think the converse also works with this? Like somebody tells you, like Mike's physics teacher told him he could never be in the, the nuclear chemistry or the nuclear field because uh, he doesn't have the family background for it. Do you think that can also be as motivating as somebody telling you, hey, you can do this? Yes. It depends on the person's 
personality, I think. Mike, and absolutely. Somebody yeah. else, maybe maybe, maybe Tara. No. Well, maybe Tara. <laughs> right, Tara may have been the same way, you know? Oh, you can't do it. My college coach quite literally used to look at me and be like, yeah, you can't make this bar routine. I'd be like, excuse me? Like, and he would do it jokingly, but I would get up there and just like go hit a bar routine just to prove him wrong. Like, I think the people that know us best can know when the challenge is needed and when the encouragement is needed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, whose turn is it? I'll go. Okay. Westover's mother, so Tara's mother, is a midwife and herbalist. How does her, and I'm assuming her here is Tara, how does Tara's perception of these kinds of healing change over the course of her life? How does working change her? Oh, maybe it is just her mom. How does mom, her mom's perception of ki this kind of healing change over the course of her life, and how does working change her? It could swing both ways, actually, but that's funny. Uh, you just put a, yeah, a her in there, and it could be both of them. Yeah. Uh, I would say for the mom, uh, it changes significantly when the midwife moves away, the one that was training her. She had to take over completely. And and then obviously She was Jean, not comfy with that. No, she was not, but she had to do it. I mean But she she threw herself in completely because yeah, like she started she going to do classes on how to do sutures and how to do I mean like she, it sounds like she went even further than the old midwife did yeah. yep. as far as learning as much as she could to actually be able to help out her patients and it wasn't all just herbalists and herbalism and and oils it was it was that plus you know like physical learning on some of that type of stuff yeah but didn't most of the or i mean like i know she did some herb stuff before but after she had her like brain thing happen didn't she go like full herbal herbal and she didn't really use anything else i think she was mostly full or herbal before that but then she started with the energy and the oh the energies the, that's what it was yeah okay that stuff. yeah yeah the finger clicking yes yeah. Dude, that got me. That was weird to me. <laughs> the metaphysical day. was a little interesting. Yeah. I've heard of it before. There's actually a guy on YouTube I watch. Um, actually, he's very famous in the diesel world. Um, and he totally 100% believes in all of that. And I just found that nuts. So I looked into it just to see how it is. I mean, it's a little insane or a little, uh, not insane, just a little different. Outside the box? Yes. And if you believe it, sweet. I don't know if I could. Yeah, but so much of healing comes from your belief of being able that something can work, like a medicine can work. Or, you know, like your brain has a lot to do with how you heal, I feel like. So yeah, like, yeah. if you believe that clicking your fingers X amount of times will fix something, then like your brain's going to believe that and it's going to yeah, heal your like At least step in the right direction. Yeah, like kind of heal your body, you know. So I kind of get that. I don't, I don't know that I would believe in it to what she was doing, but I get it. Well, and, and I think that, I mean, I tell the girls all the time that, that magic is just science we don't explain, I don't understand yet. And there's so much that we don't understand and so much we don't even know that we don't even know that I mean, anything that, you know, like you said, Sarah, that helps people get closer to that optimism that helps you heal. However, when it's done in spite of or as resistance to stuff that also works, I think that's when you, you run into problems. When, when it's not a, I'll take anything that can help, it's a, well, this is the only thing that will help. Yeah, agreed. And you're not like willing to really accept things that have been proven to work. Um, yeah. But 
I think that um, for her mom, at least working definitely just gives her kind of a sense of independence. And while it doesn't seem like she ever really like asserts herself as independent, like she does at some points, like when Tara tells her about like the abuse and stuff, she does for a minute and then she like recounts it. See, and I think in that per- that situation, her mom is so used to being the peacemaker and acquiescing to situations i think she told tara what tara wanted to hear and because she thought it would go away and it did go away for a little while and i don't i don't think she ever actually planned to to do anything to change it no i don't think so either i agree with that but there was definitely some times where she started being more assertive on on lots of things especially when she was outside of the house but even when she was starting to make these oils and these tinctures and that kind of stuff so there's definitely plenty of that i mean she she did change quite a bit but uh, you know how much of it i mean definitely i think everything she changed was for the good but she still had she she reverted a lot back to the way she was previously yeah um, and if we want to also put this off onto Tara as well, it's kind of funny because you think about it when she, she takes the first ibuprofen from Charles, I think is who it was. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she realizes that she doesn't think that the oils ever helped her and maybe they did, or maybe they didn't. But at that point, she's now all of a sudden been like, okay, well they didn't do anything for me now. Maybe she thought it did back then. I don't know. But from her yeah, it, recollection. Says, she says, like, give me a couple of days. Yeah. It'll, it'll go away in a couple of days. Yeah. What? But from her <laughs> recollection, just that, oh, wait, my mom used to give me whatever it was for toothache and it never did anything. Right. So that was just nuts for me. But you see the whole, I, the mom, I'm not a fan of at all. I think she's two-faced and, yeah, doesn't have anything to stand on. I think you have to look at the situation she's in. She is, again, living in a situation where she is not valued as a woman because she is a woman. She's not valued as a a human because she's a woman. She is trying to survive, and she's doing what she can to survive. I don't know completely about that. I I think she's, in, in a lot of cases, she's spineless when it comes to her husband. But in other would you cases, not be after you have seen what he's done to other people? I would. What did the dad do other than, I mean, we don't know of any physical abuse. Well, from him. But there is emotional abuse and yeah, mental I, abuse. I like, and, it would not surprise me if there was physical abuse, if there was sexual abuse there. Like, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Yeah, but if there was, I mean, at this point, I mean, this was basically a tell-all. Why wouldn't she have said that? She might not know that. Yeah. She probably wouldn't know if her mom was getting sexually abused by her husband because people don't look at that. I thought you meant to her, to Tara. No, I'm meaning like the mom is probably being abused in all sorts of ways by her husband. So of course she's absolutely terrified. Like if I was with a man like that, I would be absolutely terrified and I would do anything in my absolute power to make sure I stayed safe, alive. And I would be terrified to leave. Like maybe at one point I would, but I would be terrified. That he would come looking for me. I think this is this is where the the difference in our perceptions come in. Sari and I read this book as as women, and you guys read this book as men. Um, and it's wait, what? I'm a man. What? What? And so it's a li- the perspective is a, a bit different. And um, I see what Sarah's saying too. Like she was 
scared and we don't know if if he is bipolar he is not the same man she married but she married for time and all eternity she is or he is he's just different half the time no uh uh-uh why no no it bipolar isn't normal half the time and not normal the other half it can be it can't she can't he could be the the guy that she married and then I know that they've got the super high highs and the super low lows. And, and they talk about, you know, his depression and that type of stuff with it. But, you know. And there's a lot more to it. But, like, he wouldn't, he he would have changed in, in his 20s or 30s. And so he wouldn't necessarily be the same guy she married. But neither am I. And by that point, she's two, Which three, I think four is kids in. And now what does she do? do? Yeah. I mean, but I also but what, think that's partially why she takes on so much of the midwifery i mean yes she wants to help the people that are around her and that want that service but i also think she needed some way to have independence from him and that's how she got it but like in any other way i don't think she knew how to get it if that makes sense absolutely okay so yeah i don't i don't think mom was two-faced i don't think she was a good mother. No, but maybe that's maybe that's what I was trying to reach. Not two faith. Maybe I was just saying that man. She just didn't stand for what was right. No, but it that would be it. so hard in that circumstance. Well, she did occasionally, and then she totally backed wound on it every time that dad came in. But why do you think that is happening? It's just like she would tell I, all my children. I I expected you to leave Tara, and then literally change her mind the next second did she change her mind or did she actually just like make sure that she told tara the truth and that was like oh yeah i'm backing up my husband because yeah. i'm scared well, you, and, and you're absolutely about- right she was scared i'm not saying she's not all i'm saying is that you know she had choices just as much as as the father well and think about the culture she was raised in too if she grew up lds which we can assume that she did because her parents were um and she was later she was taught to respect the priesthood and and the patriarch of the family and and so to go against him is to be unrighteous and that's a hard thing to do especially when you're not quite sure if he's being unrighteous or if you are so well then i'll i'll just defer to the patriarch yeah that that'd be hard to figure that out for yourself i get it that's that's a new point yeah it's definitely hard when when the dad is throwing the priesthood and the I'm the patriarch of the house at her because obviously we know that's not how marriage should work. But again, extremists, in my opinion, of how they lived. Uh, and, and how they lived gospel or in how they lived in general? Everything. Yes. yes. But yes, <laughs> gospel and in general. <laughs> Took everything to that extreme. All right, let's go. We got five more questions to do this thing. <laughs> so Tara writes that her father looked slumped when she left for Cambridge. Uh, sorry, this is part three, by the way, where she decides to go get her PhD. Uh, an expression of love and fear and loss. Because when she's across the ocean, she he can't keep her safe. How did you view her relationship with her father? And did your perception of that relationship change throughout the book? Absolutely. Absolutely changed? Yeah, totally changed. I mean, I think at the beginning, she really respected her father and like, again, looked up to him as the patriarch of the home, wanted to do as he said, wanted to please him. But I think as she gained more outside knowledge and more education, we'll put it in quotes. Um, I mean, but real education too, like formal education as well as real life. 
Um, I think obviously that perception changed because that's not what her dad wanted for her. No, all her dad was wanting her to be a midwife and then bear babies. That's it. And work for him and do whatever oh, he yeah. said and then whatever her husband said. I don't know that my perception changed throughout the book of their relationship. Like, does that make sense? It seems like there was an undertone the whole time from the beginning. That being said, I can see the differences between their relationship. That I would agree with. Yeah. yeah. I, I, my perception of her father didn't really change. I didn't like him ever in this whole book. He made me angry. He made me sick to my stomach. He infuriated me. And I, and I understood how she felt about him and how the different, how her different feelings changed, but mine never did. I, you know, cause I'm reading it as an adult. I'm reading it as not his daughter i'm reading it through her adult eyes so i can see what he is the whole time and and while i can see that yes he loves her he loves her as a possession and not as a person well said thanks i don't know i agree with that last part but i would agree with the rest of it but wouldn't you agree because but i don't think he thinks of her as a possession but i also i mean okay based off just the book i'll agree with you but I read some other stuff afterwards that doesn't make hey, me believe too. that way. <laughs> cheater. Sorry. Not cheater. Just we're, we wanted another side of the story. Oh, right. Also, but the we're big only town talking about where the Stokes Market was, was 18 miles away. Or 18 minutes away. My bad. It was in Preston, Idaho. Which is funny because now that I think about it, I've been through Clifton. I've been to Preston. Yeah, if you've been to Preston, then you've been through Clifton. Oh, well, unless you came up through Utah. I went to a church dance in Preston. No, I went to a church dance. Jeez, really? That far away? I went with some friends. Hey, maybe Crazy. dude was there. A guy. What's his Sean. Name? Maybe Sean was there. Who? Oh, Sean. No. Sean. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how old they are. I don't remember. That's that age. She was born in 1985. Sean would have been your age, probably. My, oh, that's weird. That is so creepy to think about. Ugh. Oh, man. Okay, anyway, 14. We sh- unless you guys got more. Nope, that. hit it. After Tara decides to continue her education, she finds it increasingly difficult to reconcile her life on the mountain with her new life as a student of history. She writes that she had a fractured mind. Does it seem to you that she must lose one life to gain another? I don't think so. I think it just brings a different perspective onto her current one. Now, does she need to... I don't know. I guess if, if you're saying she needs to let it go, then then yes. I guess that's a Yes. But I don't think she needs, she just needs to let it go, but she doesn't need to lose it. Does that make sense? Well, if every time she goes back, she's being abused, then... She doesn't need to go back. I'm not saying that. If she is actually being abused, yeah, stay away from there. So in order to, she now knows that she was being abused and knows that she can't keep going back there. So then, yes, she's got to lose one to gain another. But even outside of abuse, I have found it sometimes hard to come home to visit you guys not like you guys, but the family, because living in so many different places, I've gotten so many different perspectives. And sometimes it's hard to reconcile those perspectives with uh, how I was raised or the, you know, what everybody in the, where everybody else in the family feels. And so I can, t- I can understand that fractured mind thing. Um, because I, you know, I just want to go home, but I also want to, you know, 
be the new people that I keep becoming as I, you know, live far away, as I live my life and grow up and mature. And sometimes it feels hard to do that when people know you a certain way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally get that. That's why I don't want to live in Twin Falls. That's why I didn't want to live in Twin Falls either. Because, you know, well, A, I don't want to overwrite memories, which I know people think is really weird. Um, And also because people know me as a teenager there. They know who I was. They don't necessarily know who I am. And I don't I, I don't want to have to, you know, keep explaining no, this is who I am now. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so you had your mic on at one point. Did you have something to add? Nope. Okay, let's move on. I'll read it. One of the most difficult scenes in the book comes near the end when Westover realizes that Sean has killed his dog, Diego, after coming to her parents' house with a knife in hand. How does this moment change things for Tara? Yeah, you want to know bipolar, dude. Jeez Louise. Dude. Gosh, Gosh. dang. Heartbreaking. So sad. Evil. Evil. Good way. I, I said to my wife, I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but this guy had so many opportunities to die. Why didn't it just not happen? I, I know it's probably really bad for me to say that. Would Tara have left and written this book if he had? And that's that's exactly why, I, as soon as I was done asking my wife that earlier, I was like, well, Tara would not have become the person she is today without I mean, him. She, she might have hmm, gone on to do other on. things. But she might not have had the, it might have not have been as urgent. And I think urgency helped her because it's hard to break away from your family, no matter how awful they are. If they're still your family and, and having her life literally in jeopardy, I think lent it some urgency. I, I think the way that it changed it for her though, is that she realized that she's not going to have any support unless she's doing exactly what her parents want her to do. And oh, yeah. so... She realized at that point that, you know, she is who she is and she needs to just continue on with her life. At least that's how I got it. Yeah, I agree with that. Agreed. All right. Case, you want to read 16? Do you guys all know what Pygmalion is? No. I know Skylar does. I do. So, you guys ever heard of My Fair Lady, the movie? Yes. So, that Pygmalion is the book. That My Fair Lady is based on. Oh. Oh. I never would have known that. I don't yeah. know what that's my why, is about. That's why I was given this information first, is because it, it will make more sense. Okay, so my fair lady is about um, a British professor, British professor who um, takes a bet that he can transform any um, gutter girl Trash. into. <laughs> Uh, a lady uh, just by teaching her the proper manners and the proper speech um, and so he picks um, this girl out of off the street she's a flower seller. she doesn't pick it somebody else does the other guy's like oh what oh, about her right. let me yeah i mean it's very much a she's all that yeah it really is um or the what's that one with the oh shoot dang the, the Sorry, I can't the think of it. stuff anyway um and in the course of transforming her he falls in love with her and um but she but that's not it but the, that's sorry. I mean the the point of the story is that that you can become anything with the right amount of training, but you'll still be you. Unless you believe you're not. Unless you believe now that you have become this other thing, until you start believing in yourself, really is what it's getting down to, from my understanding. Yeah. And that's what he's meaning by this in the second here. We'll go ahead and read this one. Um, do you want me to do it or anybody else? Go ahead, let on. So one professor describes Westover as Pygmalion. While Tara herself at one point says she believed she could be remade, my mind recast at her university. And in the end, she writes that she is a changed person from the person she was as her father's daughter and the 
from her 16-year-old self. You could call this selfhood many things, she writes. Transformation, metamorphosis, uh, falsity, betrayal. I called it education. What do you make of these final lines? I think she's saying, she's not saying those are the things that she calls it. Those are the things that people on the outside called it. So her professors call it transformation and metamorphosis. Her parents and her brothers and her family call it falsity and betrayal. And she just calls it an education. Um, I think it's it's a way to encompass all the different perspectives into one sentence or two sentences. No, I kind of love it though, because like, ultimately we are here to learn and that's what getting an education is. Like, you know, we're supposed to seek learning throughout our life. And so I think for her, like all of these things were just learning opportunities, good, bad, and different. Like they were all an opportunity for learning and growth. And so I think for her to just be able to look back on all of it and be like, this was my education. Like, I think (laughs) it's just, I think it's cool. I do too. I think it's really interesting in in this book called Education. We hear about her going to school, but we don't hear much, much about, about what it. she's learning in school. We hear about her experiences in school, and I think that's as much part of her education as the schooling, as the formalized education. Learning how people, you know, what people really are, and that different people are okay, and they're not all out to get your guns, and 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 that you can learn things from other people and they can learn things from you and everybody's valid, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think for me, her calling it education, it kind of bugs me that it just seems like she's calling out that the only way you can really get educated is by that way. And and maybe that's not what she's getting at, but that's how it feels to me. Um, and so like the rest of her life wasn't education as well. Um, maybe it wasn't education she wanted to continue but it was an education. You don't feel like she's referencing like everything from her childhood too as part of her education? No. That's interesting because I did not take that at all. I, I felt that like because she wasn't given much of an education in her homeschooling, she reached a limit. Like she learned. I mean, obviously she didn't learn everything about everything on the farm and the junkyard and all of that, but she had reached a limit and, and, it was a, just a continuing education, and yeah, that's not that's not how I felt about it. The way that that that, that is, the way that I read that is that's not how it is to me. Now, obviously, it's going to be different for everybody that reads that, but for me, it just feels like the other things weren't part of her education. And the reason I say that is because of her transformation, metaphor, metamorphosis, and then the falsity and the betrayal. You know, the falsity and betrayal means like to me is like she doesn't accept those as part of the education. Well, do you think about, I mean, uh, our family is a little different that we're not, we know that you can find education in many other places than just school. But I think that when she's talking about the transformation, the metamorphosis, the falsity and the betrayal, and, and yeah, that's, that's came with her going to college, but I don't think she's only talking about her college education. I think she is talking about the education she went out and found for herself. But I think she's also looking back on, like, yes, the education she went and found for herself. But I don't know. I feel like, like, because she's not using any of those words, transformation, metamorphosis, falsity, betrayal, like, she's not using any of those words. Those are the words that people around her are using to describe what is happening, like we said. But I think because she is calling it education. Like, I think that is all encompassing of everything she has ever been through. All of the, like any, anything she has learned. I think that that, 
I don't know. For me, that is like all encompassing. And that's why I think it's cool. But I can see how that would be irritating if you're reading it the way you're reading it, Lana. So like. Well, and it's kind of like the, the name of the book, Educated. It just seems to me like she's saying, I wasn't educated until I went to these colleges. And but, I mean, if that was the life that she had chosen for herself, if she had decided, okay, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to stay home. I want to, uh, you know, work for my family. I want to work on a farm. Then I would have no problem with the level of education that she had. But I but, think she did until she forced herself to leave because of Sean. Like, I don't think she had any reservations or issues until Sean came back into the picture and started causing massive issues. But how old was she when that happened? 17, 16. No, it was it was like 14 or 15. Because remember, right. the first time they tried kicking her out of the house was at 16. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So that's right around the time when people start finding their own identity. Before that, many people, myself included, just go along with whatever mom and dad say is going to happen. Right. And I get that. But I don't think that mom and dad were as much of an influence on why she left as it was Sean. The, the the problem is, I mean, we can't, we, I mean, we can speculate all we want, right? That maybe she would have just stayed there and been a house mom and helped out with the midwifery and the oils and the tinctures and everything else. But, you know, if, if Sean might have died on that fall or whatever, right? Versus, um, you know, him being there and, you know, tormenting the living crap out of her. And I didn't get that at all. It, it To me, it was kind of a, it was a progression from, you know, I'm starting to carve out my own identity and, and, oh, Tyler went to school. Huh. That's a possibility to, you know, deciding like she had to work really Except hard. For, it wasn't a possibility in her mind until Tyler was like, you need to go to school. Right. And uh, I mean, that kind of thing has happened to me. Sometimes you just have to hear it before you realize that that's what you wanted. But, but was that her escape? Like, was that her like, oh, you know, I could go to school and I can get out of here. Right. So she's escaping a life she didn't want Is with she, an though? education. Is she escaping? But that's the thing. It's like, we don't know. We don't know if she's escaping that or if she's escaping Sean. Well, Sean would have been that life, so. Yeah. I, I don't think you But can... no, what, what, what I was saying is if Sean wasn't alive, right? If Sean had died. Oh, yes. Well, right. unfortunately, Again, he didn't. <laughs> no, but so that's what I'm getting at. I mean, like, it's really hard to make those assumptions and those, yeah, I, I get but what I, you're saying. And and I think that, that you're, conf well, not confusing, you're, you're just taking somebody who could choose and superimposing that over Tara, who never got the opportunity to choose. Except for she was. She was doing dance without anybody knowing it. She was learning the piano without anybody knowing it. She was making her own decisions. Yeah, she started and working all of at those Stokes. led up to her to her education to her leaving for school. I don't know. I think it definitely helped making her have make those decisions to. You know, I do want to look at something different. And but that even in the book, it says that she was she was on the path to become just whatever her dad had lined out for her until Sean did something. I can't remember exactly what. But then it is right. basically at that point. She's like, you know what? I'm going to go do what Tyler did. And then she's like, I'm doing the ACT. It was at that point. She's like, yep, I'm going to be by you. Right. To escape, not necessarily the life of, of being a mother and all of those things, but to escape Sean. Right. Okay. Yes and no. I, 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 and I think that you're, Lana, and I, I totally see what you're saying. 
But I don't think she was trying to escape the life of being a wife and a mom and all of that. Uh, I think she was, she just wanted more than what she saw. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with searching for that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with higher education. I don't, I don't think it's the only thing. But uh, I agree and, with and that. Is, I'm not disagreeing with any of that. Um, and so I don't, I understand why it niggles at you, why it bothers you, but I don't, I don't think that that is the intention. I don't think that she's saying that, that she received no education, but the education she received outside the home was ultimately more useful for her than the one that she received in it. Okay, let's move on to the last question. Looking back over the book, what did you learn about family and forgiveness and trauma? What did you learn about education? That it never ends, sorry. Education is something you should continue always, like you were saying. And I concur with that. I mean, yeah, it's, you always, always continue learning. When you say you've learned everything, that's when you've really messed up. And all 18 to 20 year old, 20, 21 year olds all know that, that phase. Oh, I know everything. <laughs> yeah, I know better than everybody. Um, or most, should I say, most 18 to 21 year olds will know that phase. But uh, yeah, the family and forgiveness and trauma. I mean, I saw a lot of correlation between this book and our family. And I mean, yeah. uh, it was like, man, I've seen, well, dad said that before. Oh, uh, my siblings have done that before. Um, it's, it was a lot of correlation between my family and this and forgiveness is a huge thing. I mean, you gotta be able to forgive our, your, your family for, you know, we all are, we aren't perfect. None of us are. And we gotta realize where that, that line of forgiveness is, needs to be drawn or needs to be, be given. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I, I also saw lots of correlation between our family and the family in the book and in good ways and in cringy ways and, um, and it's, it was it, it was because of that that it was a little hard to read at points where it was like oof yeah i've heard that before i've i've seen that argument before i've i've been in that argument before um but it it also taught me that that in some ways that we think our family is unique it may not be as unique as we think it is and that all families deal with a lot of the things that we deal with i think some of the stuff that we have that that other hasn't well I mean, probably have but that we just took it in different ways you know, we've got like dad's family that, I mean, Case and Siri, I don't know if they've ever even met most of them. I've met and, Pete. That's the only one I remember. And Bonnie. Right. Know, sorry. Duh. And maybe Darloa. No. Nope, I don't nope. even met her. Yeah, you guys did when we went down to the, the you were little, little. funeral. But you were, you know. Oh, the one in Arizona between, between, where someone yeah. died, our uncle or something that I've yeah. never met? Yeah. Okay. Who was, was that Doral's? No, that was Doug. That was Darloa's oh, husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't go to that one either. I just remember but, 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 the viewing and was very disturbed by it. They're they're estranged, and and so I think I think we try a lot harder to to forgive on on mm -hmm. traumas and that type of stuff because I think at least for me, you know, I see that and I don't want that. I agree. And hundred percent. And so it's I think there's there's things that we have, and then there's also like you know. There's things that I would never do. I'm not, I'm not going to kick my kid out at 16 years old. I'm not, you know, there's like just just certain things that the dad and the brothers and all these people did in there. And I'm just like, well, that and not talking to her anymore. I mean, like at the end of the book, the mom's, she won't go see her because, you know, that's a, a slap in the face to her dad. You know what? I looked at my wife earlier and I was like, you know what? If we ever get to the point where we're estranged from one of our kids and, and they're not talking to me because of something, feel free to go say hi to them and, and still love them. I mean, just because they're mad at me doesn't mean that you can't have a life with them. But that's because you love your ch ch children as a person and not a possession. 
Yep. yep. And I know wife, you don't agree you with that your statement, wife. but that is that is it. <laughs> you love your wife as a person and not a possession. Yeah, maybe that's the case. We, again, think, we only have one side of that story too. Well, and I think part of it is that uh, you and Case read this book as fathers, yeah. and Sari and I read this book as daughters. Yeah, I definitely Dang. did not read it as a, as a son. That was deep. And so it changes the whole perspective of the whole book. Lana, you feel like you read it as a son? No, definitely did not. It was definitely a dad. And I was definitely a daughter. It was definitely a daughter, for sure. Case? Case. Oh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely dad. Yeah. yeah. I just, I think also, like, while we have things that are similar in our family to this book, I think, obviously, we've said it, like, this was an extreme example. We might have, like, a few examples, but I don't even think she probably included all the things. I mean, like, can only put so much in a book, you know? And so I'm sure this was just a few of the incidents is that happened in her life. Um, I don't know. I feel like I can just, like, just, like, reading it, I can look at it and be like, wow, that was a really crazy, like, traumatic upbringing. Upbringing. And that is not how I view my upbringing. So... Case and Sarah, you probably don't remember, and Skyla wasn't in town, I don't think, but the dad freaking out about Y2K and the peaches and, you know, making everything so that... I wasn't there for Y2K, no. No. It's in the book. Like, they were bombing more peaches and, you know, they got all their gas they needed and all that kind of stuff. I remember the phone conversations I had with dad around then, though. Yes. Dad went out and bought, Lost his mind. Like... 200 gallons in fuel. I mean, I, mean, I do kind of remember that. This was like when 2000 was coming, right? Yeah. Right. Okay, I do kind of remember this because, Skylar, weren't you there for New Year's in 2000? No, I was in Hawaii at a Navy party. For reals? Who yeah. was there? Yeah. 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 And it was, was... Yeah, because I was there for the next New Year's when Braylon was a baby. Okay, well, I don't know. I feel like I remember like hearing about it. Like, oh, well, the world might not be here when we wake up or something. Like, I don't know, but I thought someone like said it jokingly. But see, Griffith doesn't remember. I talked to him about it because I was at that part in the book. He was like, I don't remember that. I was like, yep, totally happened. Like, Dad was thinking the same thing that all the computers were going to stop and there was nothing that was going to stop it. And, you know, we needed to make sure that we were protected and had all the things that we needed for when it happened. The thing that got me was uh, when the Twin Towers came down and then that night, that dad read uh, about the the phrase of rumors of wars and rumors of wars uh, in Isaiah, and uh, dad literally read that to us. Lily, interesting. That we See, like that one. I me. I didn't have that many aha moments that was like, yeah, that's our family. Like very many at all. There's parts that I, I and mean, maybe again because I read it as a dad that I'm reading it and going. Oh, yeah, I kind of see, I mean, I don't I don't think I'm bipolar, and I don't think I'm going as crazy as that guy, but yeah, right now, there's times at which I'm like, I don't even know if Katya is going to be, you know, she might be homeschooled, because I don't like what they're teaching. So, am I that weird because of that? I don't know, maybe. No, I mean, we all, you you take what you do for your family. I mean, that this guy obviously thought what he was doing was best for his family. That's what it was. Yeah, but at what point is there some... At what point does he have to take responsibility for the choices he made in his family's life that, I mean, really hurt his family? When he meets God. That's true. I mean, we all will meet him at some point and be judged for our, our actions. And that we will all be judged for it, the way we raise our children and everything like that. So he, he will definitely be uh, taken care of when he is passed on to the next life. Well, did you like it? I love no. the discussion. I don't love the book. 
Like, I will never read it again. Absolutely not. I thought the book was fantastic, but I, it's it's in that same realm as Schindler's List, yeah. where it's really, really good, but I'm all done now. Uh, I've watched it a couple times since, but anyway, I wouldn't not recommend it to people. So, like, I really want to get, I really love to get, like, Griffiths and Barron's and Dane's perspective on it as well. Um I'd love Tasha's and Jason's perspective too. I, I would agree. agree. I would agree. Oh, and Powers. And he, power. he homeschool. He homeschools his kids, so it'd be really well, interesting to see where Stacy homeschools their kids. Yeah. Stacey, I didn't realize they were home. Oh, I did know they were homeschooled. Um, yeah. But but absolutely, and that that's what I mean. It's like. But Stacy like gives them a homeschooled education. Oh, she's excellent. Like she's amazing. Well, freaking phenomenal. Like if you want to look at like how to homeschool your kids. Look at Stacy. Because like I asked her about homeschooling because I was really considering it for Brayson. We since decided otherwise, but like I was really considering, like I was set on it, and so I had talked to her a lot about it, and she's just like so good. You've got Tyler and Stephanie and his wife, and they they homeschooled their kids, but then you know Tara's like, but they're I mean they're learning lots and lots. So it's not that she even is saying that homeschooling is necessarily a bad thing. It's that she didn't get the same schooling that the kids that went to, you know, she didn't get schooling. School. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't get like the, the three R's that you said. <laughs> but, but here's the other thing that I, I also feel, I mean, now today, maybe not, maybe not so much back then, but more so now, you know, our, our kids are taught to take tests and memorize things and not think for themselves. And their dad, whether you want to admit it or not, made them learn to think for themselves. I mean, basically, She's getting a hunk of metal thrown in her head. What do I need to do? Am I just going to stand here and just take it? <laughs> no. I can't believe you use that as an example of learning to think for yourself. I'm sorry, but that's, I mean, you could no. you could stand there and you could take a piece of metal in the head or you could figure out what you're going to do. So she no, started, that's what, just no, thinking. But what did she started? Like, that's just instinct. You duck. And there's plenty of kids that I know these days that necessarily wouldn't do that. How but, do you but know? But that's not the only thing. What I'm saying is that there's also, like, she started working in a completely different area. So she didn't have to deal with it. Huh? I mean, she she defied her father in that. I was like, I'm I'm going to work over here. I'm not going to be around. And again, I don't think he taught her to think for herself. I think she, for sheer survival, learned to think for herself. He didn't teach her to think for herself. I he didn't taught say. Her. I yes, never said he taught her. I said that she learned to think for herself. And and so it's something that's not happening as often anymore. Is what I'm getting at. So we should all put our kids in abusive situations so they learn for themselves? Learn sure. Tyla, that is not what he's saying. And you know I, I, I know, but like, I, I'll agree with you, Lonin. The public education system is broken. Absolutely broken. Um, but I don't think that, that what Tara's family did is a viable option. But that's your opinion, not theirs, not how they wanted to raise their kids. And so that's what I'm saying is that, you know, at what point, I mean, like she was actually, there was an interview that I watched afterwards and, and they asked her specifically, do you think that the government should have came in and, and done something about all this stuff? She's like, what would they have done? She's like, literally, it was my word against my brother's word and my parents weren't backing me up. Now, is that right? No. But she's like, there's nothing they could have done. And, and I don't want, I don't want that much government control in my life. So... I mean, whose who's right is it to say that I'm teaching something wrong compared to you? 
That's that's what I'm getting at. Oh, that's not what I got. I don't disagree with you on that. Um, I just I don't think that her. Do I agree? Okay. Do I agree with how they did it and how they raised their kids? No, because okay, and that's what I'm contending is I don't agree with how they did it. I'm not disagreeing with homeschooling. Teach your kids if you want to teach your kids. Right, but that's what I'm saying. But that was their their decision on how they wanted to homeschool their kids. But they didn't teach their kids. They gave them basics. They could read. They could write. Yeah, they didn't teach their kids. That's what I, I said right after that. Um, that's the thing is like that, that was they raised their kids but didn't teach them. That's it. And they didn't I mean, teach them what you wanted to teach them. No, I'm sorry. They didn't teach them the like, just formal education wise, like reading, writing, I mean, just normal stuff that they should have known. They taught them basic stuff. They did not teach them higher education at all, any, any form of it. They taught them how to read and write, but it was very very mediocre and so was i mean she didn't know any algebra sounds like she barely knew did, math she did 50 pages of math every day Lauren. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i just and uh, i don't know uh, i don't i don't agree with how they did it how they did it i don't i don't agree with how they did it either. i don't think anyone will. all i'm saying is it's not your point to question how they did it when it was their family at that point you're getting to the point where it's too involved in my personal life. No, I would never get to that point where I would be just, you know, go do whatever you want to do. Anyway, plug us case. Well, sorry, you can tell him to plug us. All right. Well, that pretty much sums it up. Um, if you haven't read it, we encourage you to read it. Um, maybe you can draw some parallels to your life and your family situation, kind of like most of us did. Um, but other than that, stay ugly. Hold on. Hold on. What? You're going way too fast, sir. What do you mean? Oh, you have to do all of your social media plugs. You do it. Okay. Uh, guys, if you want, if you have a feeling about this, dude, this has been one of our longest podcasts. You've made it to the end. Awesome. Thanks for being here. This is going to be, it was a really great, it's a great discussion. I'm so thankful for it. Um, the You can reach out to us on our social media if you guys got something to say. Uh, you can find us at, at King Ugly Crew on Instagram and Facebook. And then you can reach us at our Gmail account, which is kinguglycrew at gmail.com. Or you can see our lovely faces at kingoglycrew.wordpress.com. All right. Stay ugly. Stay ugly. Stay ugly. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Siri was just, all right, stay ugly. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Two and a half hours later, I'm tired, man. Hey, I don't want to hear it. I have to be up in six hours. That sounds Did awful. I'm sorry for both of you. No, no.